0: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, May 30th, the Pollen Prank edition. I'm Gabriel Roth. I am the editorial director of Slate Podcasts and I'm the father of Eliza who's 8 and Leo who is almost 5.
2: I'm Rebecca Lavoie, a journalist and podcaster in New Hampshire, and I am mom to Henry, who is 17, Teddy, who is 16, and my stepdaughter, Lily, who is almost 19.
0: And I'm Carvel Wallace, a writer and podcaster in Oakland, California, and I am the father to Georgia, who is 13 and graduating middle school tomorrow, and Ezra, who is 16 and finishing the 10th grade tomorrow. Congratulations, guys.
1: Today on our show, uh, we're going to take a big question. As always, we're going to have triumphs and fails. We're going to make recommendations. And on Slate Plus, we're going to talk about what we have enjoyed, what we have hated, and what we have learned from doing this podcast for the past couple of years. But first, we have a couple of announcements to make about the future of this podcast. Uh, I'm going to be leaving the show. And I am also going to be
0: leaving the show. Carvel, why are you going to be leaving the show? Uh, In the script here, it says reasons. So I guess (laughs) that's why I'm leaving the show. But um, it says reasons no. like in, in square brackets. because oh, I see. That where I thought, the, thought you might I fill in
1: your reasons, the, the specifics oh, of your re- reasons. You want something more specific, an inside look, rather than right, just production a very of Passive aggressive way saying reasons.
0: <laughs> reasons. Um, no, I'm not going to be passive aggressive. I'm going to be fully forthright. So I'm leaving the podcast for a ver- number of reasons. One of which is that I have a couple of major work projects that are coming up this year that are going to take a lot of time and attention. Um, uh, the second reason is that I just want to be able to focus. I, 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 so often work on so many projects at once and I've done that for the first few years of my career as a professional contenter, content Smith. Um, but I just did a second book deal. Um, and that is going to require, it's going to ask for a level of focus that I would really like it to give it to it uh and then i have another few other tiny projects which are too early to be announced at this point uh and so with those things coming forward it just sort of felt like this was a natural time to put aside all other distractions so i can dig more deeply into the, the kind of like work that i'm doing the work that i'm doing in the book does have a lot to do with childhood trauma and the ways in which people i know have experienced and overcome them. So in some sense, it's a great, it's, it's a real outgrowth of this show and some of the stuff we've talked about in the show. Um, I'm talking a little bit about my own story, but I'm also interviewing other people about their stories and, and compiling kind of a, a book based on that idea. And that's the main reason. The second reason is that the kids are getting older and I they don't really pay attention to the show <laughs> they know that i do it every time i mention it they're like oh are you still doing that i'm like yeah i've talked about this <laughs> in the show they're like what show i'm like the show that i do all the time they're like oh you're still doing that but at a certain point you know they're getting old enough that i feel like it's they're probably gonna you know just reach a point where they no longer want to be like the subject of like a, a podcast in which they you know so that's a part of it um but that's a smaller part i think the main part is that as a writer it's really time for me to kind of narrow my focus and so um, as much as i love this show and it's really sad to think about leaving it uh, especially the last few days we've been getting all these emails being like this show is so important it means so much and i'm just like yeah this show is important it does mean a lot um i (laughs) i also feel like it's just it's time and it's time that's all there is to it what about you gabe why are you leaving well, here in the script with
1: Square Rex, it says similar reasons. Uh, but 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 the reasons, <laughs> in, in a way, they're, they're similar. But but it's not that similar in as much as I don't have a book deal or anything like that. Uh, your mm. book sounds super exciting, and I I am really looking forward to reading it. I'm I'm going to be stepping away from the podcast in order to give me some more time to read Carvel's book when it comes out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I um I, I also a- am busy with my work and and with family life and with all of the other things and and I have really enjoyed doing this show and it's been so great. Mostly, it's been so great talking to you guys. We'll talk about this later in the show. We'll get sentimental later in the show. Um, but uh, and I will miss doing the show. But uh, it's time for some new blood, and it's time for for me to step away. Uh, so that is uh. Those are my similar reasons. Rebecca, what about you? Why are you leaving the show?
2: I'm not leaving the show.
1: Oh. Oh, wow. Christ, okay. (laughs) Yet,
2: dot, dot, dot. No, I'm not leaving the show yet. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not leaving the show. That's not happening. But, um... I uh, am staying on the show because, A, I don't care what my kids think about me talking about them on a podcast. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's also not true. Um, You know, I don't feel like I'm finished dispensing the kind of advice that I like giving on this show. I don't Mm. feel like I'm finished telling people that they're thinking about the wrong things. I don't feel like I'm finished telling people that, like... Uh, as is happening on our Facebook book group right now. Like, sons don't actually compare penises with their fathers. That's not really a great reason to circumcise your kid. I don't really feel like I'm finished just having the kind of conversations I get to have on this show every week. And, um, yeah, so I'm staying around. But I'm not 100% sure, you know, who the permanent future cast will be. But there will be some voices coming on that our audience will be familiar with and some new ones. But mom and dad are fighting will continue And I look forward to maybe doing some more fighting uh, in the future with whoever I am doing the show with. Because I was thinking about it today. And, like, we don't fight a lot. I mean, Mm -hmm. we occasionally have, like, little dust-ups in the way we're delivering our thinking. But, like, there's been very, very few instances where I've been like, Gabe... You are wrong on this. All right. I can think of one or two, but very few, very few and very even fewer. I think with you, Carvel, like this has not been a really satisfying fighting experience if that's what I thought <laughs> I was getting into. Um, so who knows? Maybe that will change going forward. So I'm, I'm looking forward to staying on the podcast. I do really love the Slate audience. I love the thoughtful people mm-hmm. in the parenting group. Yes, and um, yeah, so I'm not ready to go quite yet. So, sorry, guys, if you were hoping I would also be the third to announce that. Just going to be disappointed.
1: (laughs) Uh, The other thing I should say is Carvel and I will both be at the Mom and Dad are fighting playdate at Slate Day in New York on
0: June 8th. So yes, we are uh, going to be last... grown men at a play date. That's a thing. That grown men, <laughs> you, it's, it's,
1: not, it's not a drop-off play date. It's a it supervised just, play date. What could come possibly
2: on. go wrong?
1: Uh, it's going to be awesome. And if you want to see, you know, our last mom and dad are fighting appearance, uh, come to Slate Day on June 8th in New York. Um, we'll get more sentimental later. Uh, but <laughs> let's do triumphs and fails. Oh, God. Uh, Carvel, you want to go first triumph or fail?
0: Yes, of course I have to end on a triumph because uh, the kids are great. Um, there, there's Well, there's. I'm just going to give updates on the kids, which I consider both of them to be triumphs, even though they're totally different updates. As mentioned in the opening, Georgia is graduating from middle school, and I think the show started almost right at the beginning of her time at middle school. I remember that being one of the first triumphs that I talked about was her just going to middle school alone on her first day and making the best of it, and now here she is, graduating being or promotion as it's called uh she is delivering a promotion speech because she's like the student leader she's the she's in the restorative justice group, which is this whole like citywide group of young people who like do conflict resolution. And she is uh, was was on the yearbook committee and designed the yearbook for the school. And she also was the student council something or other that I don't fully understand. And she gave tours to families that were coming to visit the school and gave tours to kids. She was like full on campus leader. And now she's delivering a speech uh, at her graduation. And it's been she's been great. She. had her grades are 3.98. She's still mad about the one time she got a B in one semester of, of math. And, uh, and but she's she's graduating tomorrow. Tonight, she has the dinner dance, which she bought a dress for and got her nails done and everything like that. And then, after, and after that, it's the promotion. And she's just loving it. And she's happy to go to high school, and all her friends are going to the same high school she is. And, uh, what a triumph! What an absolute triumph that kid is. And Ezra, who is Um, we've got, I gotten so many wonderful emails and I haven't had a time to respond to all of them that when I opened up and shared honestly about my fears and frustrations and just the difficulties that we've had that I've personally had dealing with his academics, not unfolding the way that I would have designed them. Um, but at the same time, I am just, those emails were sort of, they were super helpful. And also I was reaching a point anyway, where I just was, I had reached a breaking point, a bottom of sorts with my frustration. And I just was like, I need to take again a step back. And I've taken this step back multiple times, but I keep sliding and then I have to take it again. But I just had this new revelation. Like I don't really, he's like my frustration with him not doing stuff that I want. That's my issue. That is not his issue. He is doing his life in the way that makes sense to him. He has tremendous strengths. And when I focus on just the ways in which he's not aligning with my vision, then I make the classic parental mistake. Of focusing on what I consider weaknesses, as opposed to focusing on what I consider strengths, and since the parental voice is so loud and amplified inside the heart and mind of a kid, especially certain kids of which who are super sensitive, of which it seems Ezra is one, then my tiny, what I feel like is reasonable disapproval echoes in his head as this huge thundering voice of like displeasure and that he can never be good and he can never please me and whatever, and I just, it's like. I just made a decision a couple of weeks ago that I was just going to stop doing that again. And I've made that decision before. But one of the great things about growth is that we have to keep learning things over and over again. And so uh, over the past few weeks, I've just (laughs) just decided to let it go. He's going to do whatever he does with his academics. He ended up passing. There looked like he was going to not pass even more classes, but he was able to turn them around at the end and pull them through. And I realized he's only doing the amount of work that he feels like he needs to do in order to not flunk, and nothing else is of interest to him except for all the stuff that is of interest to him, which is stories, um, books, film, playwriting, I mean, he he has his fascinations, his obsessions. History and English are his strongest courses, of course. He doesn't do the work there, but he does more of the work. But his teachers love what he contributes to the conversations because he's just so emotionally and like narratively intelligent. He's going to be fine. I don't know how he's going to be fine, but he is. And every time I see him now, I just like have this clear sense that that's my job is to hold that in mind. Um, and I will give a really quick. And an anecdote about that. We were driving the other day to go to the beach to see this dead whale, which is a thing that we do in Northern California. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and That's so, not weird. <laughs> so, oh, fun. A dead whale. Yeah. They, we heard there was a dead whale in Georgia. Oh, uh, yeah. Got to go see we'll that. Go to the beach and see the dead whale. How often do you get to see whales? A little, you know, whatever. So we're in there. And so we get, I don't remember how the topic starts, but we get into this conversation about art and what makes art and ezra was talking about a certain kind of film that he didn't think was art and i thought well i think that does count and then we had this debate back and forth and i was saying well i think you know that i mean my experience as a writer and as someone who sort of like was raised as an artist is that this is sort of what you have to focus on and this is what you can't worry about and he disagreed and he got really mad at me he got really mad at me in the car and i was like oh shit he's getting really mad at me And so I kind of, like, backed off from my position. And in my mind, I was like, all we're doing is having a healthy debate about, you know. And he, But for him, I recognized that it was something different. So we stopped to get some snacks, and we were in the store. And I turned to him and said, you know, Ezra, actually, here's the thing. I didn't really, like, super-duper have a father growing up. So I don't actually know what it's like to have a father. And so forgive me if sometimes I miscalculate, like, or miscalibrate how important my voice is in your life. I really believe in you and I really love you and I think you're incredibly talented and I think that you're like incredibly good at what you do and I think you always will be and I believe in your future. And when I'm sharing stuff with you that I think, that I'm telling you, I'm sharing it because I think it's gonna be helpful. But if it's not and if it makes you feel stressed out or judged or overwhelmed, I'm really sorry about that. And that's not really what my intention. And so just like, I'm just gonna keep trying to learn how to do that better. And uh, <laughs> he, he, it's, he just, like, hugged me. <laughs> he didn't even say anything. He just hugged me. And then he had to make a joke. He was like, this is a lot for a Starbucks. <laughs> I was like, it is a lot for a Starbucks. <laughs> but uh, I that moment of being able to, like, recognize my where my own issues are coming into play and, like, admit to those and separate my stuff from his stuff and, like, return to the the, the core idea that, like, I love you and believe in you and that I always will and that if, if that's not coming across, that's my bad. That's not a reflection on you. That's, like, the kind of sort of stuff that I'm trying to get better at. And so I feel like that was a triumph. And I just think both kids are going to be fine. Hmm. That's really nice. Wow. I cannot
2: um, go next after that. I cannot. When you hear what uh, I have to say.
1: All right. I, 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 I have a dumb you'll one, It's fine. It's fine. I'll go. All right. One experience I'm not going to miss is the experience of going after a, a very moving Carvel story. I don't think any of us are going to miss that. All right. Here, here's mine. So we it's a fail. We moved apartments this weekend we we had to move out of our apartment because our landlords who were our friends who we were renting from are moving back to new york a little sooner than they had planned and so we had to find a new apartment so we rented a new apartment and now we're moving into this new apartment and and moving obviously is just awful And I I hadn't quite – like, we moved when Eliza was a tiny baby and that was awful. And we moved when Leo was a, like, slightly bigger baby and that was pretty bad. But moving with two, like – kids who are old enough to have possessions is is sort of a different level of awful like the baby thing was bad but a baby like there's certain things you need to take care of a baby and they're fairly self-contained and like the first thing you do is you just set up like the diaper changing station and the place where the baby sleeps and then you basically have what you need to take care of the baby and and when you have the the two bigger kids who have their millions of different possessions you just it, it it's a whole different thing. And and we had the movers come. It's the kind of movers who, like, just bring in a ton of boxes and just, like, put every one of your objects into a box. They don't care where. And then they put the box in, <laughs> like, what you've told them <laughs> is the equivalent room. And then you're left with, like, just a whole bunch of boxes that have no sense. Like, there's no sense to these boxes. And there would be, like, especially with the kids' stuff. Like, I open one of the boxes. And you open it up. And it's just like, imagine a box that's like three feet by three feet by five feet. So like quite a lot of square feet, whatever that is, that's 45 square feet. That's impossible. (laughs) There's no way the box is that big. In any case, imagine a medium-sized box and you open it up and it's full of like literally 10 million one-inch-long plastic things. (laughs) And each of the plastic things is part of some kind of set or assembly of other things. It might be a board game. It might be a Lego project. It might be a little piece of a tea set. It might be, like... Uh, uh, a plastic thing that you stick into a thing and you turn the crank and it makes a thing that goes in a particular way and, and <laughs> building that thing that goes in the particular way is something you once did with your son or were hoping to do with your son or your son was hoping <laughs> that you would do with him at some point in the future and now all you have is this little plastic crank that you recognize as being part of that set of things but that the, there's no way, there's no possible way in which you're going to get from this box to Like when we were in our old place, it wasn't like everything was in its correct spot with its fellow members of whatever set it was part of. It wasn't like everything was properly organized, but you could sort of squint and kind of imagine everything being properly (laughs) organized. And now it's just in a box, and I'm surrounded by other boxes. Like if you pan out and you see me, I'm looking with horror into this one box, but then you pan out, and there's like an infinite number of boxes (laughs) stretching around me in every direction – and, uh, and, and so I, what I found myself doing was, like in this new place, there's some like drawers that we're going to keep in the living room that are, we're going to keep the kids' stuff in. And I literally like I'm picking up the box and just like dumping this landfill <laughs> of manufactured plastic <laughs> stuff straight into a drawer until the drawer is full. And then very quickly slamming the drawer shut and opening the next drawer down and continuing like that. And when all the boxes are empty, I'm going to be like, okay, good, we've moved in. And all of these possessions which because they're kids, they like value these possessions. Physical objects have a kind of scarcity value to them. Like they can't, <laughs> they never have enough stuff. They really want you to get them more stuff and the stuff they have is insufficient. And now here is their stuff in a drawer Useless, inert, Mm. just purely taking up space that we're paying like Brooklyn, New York rents on that that no one will ever be able to play with again. No one will ever get any pleasure out of or any value out of whatsoever. It's just sitting there a, a, a single card from a highly specific card game. Like, not like a deck of <laughs> cards, but like a game where all the cards have a particular relationship <laughs> to another. We have three of them. They're in this drawer, right? Mm. Like, the little Lego piece that's, shaped in a particular way because it has no function except to be like the rear engine on a spaceship belonging to the characters from guardians of the galaxy or something like that <laughs> yes. it, it's like a half an inch and it's gray and and it's so specifically shaped there it is it's in the drawer imagine like a hundred million of those things all in a drawer and like that is my failure and what i see is When I open the drawer, I see the sort of hopes that I had for the kids getting to play and getting to enjoy themselves and build and create and imagine and play. And how a job I've done at like helping them or maintaining for them an environment in which that kind of play and that kind of joy is is possible and instead we're surrounded by this plastic crap and I don't I sort of blame myself for not doing a better job of keeping the shit organized and I sort of blame the world for like replacing outdoor childhood innocent fun with like bullshit (laughs) manufactured plastic crap in tiny parts and and I, I I don't know what, but like something, this drawer is just a sign for me of everything that has gone horribly wrong with like a my parenting and b our world, uh, and and uh, here we are in our new apartment. That's my uh, that's my fail.
2: That's ridiculous. it's not a sign of any of those things thank you jesus just like condo that shit buy some like plastic uh tupperware things and have your kids go through with you and sort it into categories it'll be a fun activity it's fine you just moved
1: no one. this is what moving looks like no one will enjoy that that will not be a
0: fun activity for literally any of us it will never happen i have (laughs) another version of condoing it's called getting a giant contractor bag and throwing a <laughs> bunch of stuff into it and tossing it <laughs> and out into the world <laughs> and never looking back, never concerning yourself with the environment. Just get rid of it. It's when you move and when the kids grow, you have to just mass get rid of stuff. And they almost never go, wait, where's the three inch plastic like handled rank? You know, they, they never do that because they, they just they don't care. They don't care as much as no. they think they care. When they have the object in their hands, they care. It's the most important thing. How could you ever throw this? Away? This is so important. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. And then you throw it in the trash can. They never mention it. You never mention it. It never comes up. That's what moving is about. I love. It's one of my favorite right. things about having kids growing up. <laughs> it's just randomly throwing shit away. It's just, I get so much <laughs> satisfaction from that. It's like, fuck you, and fuck you, and fuck you, and fuck all this shit. This is all going to the trash. <laughs> that does sound fun, actually. It's it is. It's great. It is.
1: Okay, good. I'm looking forward to that. Wow. All right, Rebecca, it's your turn.
2: Uh, well, I was thinking about what my triumph was going to be this week and just to slip in a little bragging. Initially, I was going to like brag about all the academic awards Henry won at the senior awards night, but I'm not going to do that. You I'm know, just going to say that he did. You
1: to do fails on this show. Yes, you know but that, this right? one is,
2: this is good. You <laughs> don't fail. I mean, no, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. Um, I want to give the triumph to Teddy for making me laugh my ass off this week by doing super juvenile practical joke on me and Kevin and his brother. Um, This is the season. I don't know. In other parts of the country, it's probably time shifted or different. But in New Hampshire right now, tis the season of that bright ass yellow pollen that's just everywhere. It gets like Uh, all over your cars and all over your stuff and all over your deck chairs and all over the street. And it's just everywhere. And it's bright yellow. And Teddy learned when he was a little kid that you could draw pictures in the pollen by, uh, on any given day, just, like, wetting your finger a little bit, like, licking your finger or wetting it in a glass of water and just, like, drawing on something. And then more pollen sticks to the wet part. So we all came out of the house the other day, and there were pollen dicks all over all of our cars. (laughs) And it was the funniest damn thing I've ever seen. And Henry was like... Teddy, you know, I have to like get my car wash, like his dicks, his car's black, digs all over my car. And Kevin was like, I have a meeting I have to go to, and there's like a dick on my door. And I was just like, beside myself, I'm like, this is like American Vandal Meets Nature. So the fucking good. funniest practical joke that's ever been played on us by one of our kids. <laughs> and he just like zero apologies, like none. He's just like, yep, his dick's oh, all right. over your guys' cars. Guess you got to run through the car wash now. So, yeah, so so big triumph for him for a uh, just doing the super simple thing he's been doing since he was a kid and employing it in such a clever way and making me laugh my ass off this week. That really is sort of peak... Triumph for me when one of my kids makes me laugh uh, and want to tell other people about the stupid thing they did. So, dicks on cars. You why I didn't want to go after? Do you see why I didn't want to go after Carvel? Now <laughs> I've told that story. <laughs> <laughs> no, sure, absolutely,
0: have gone after you, me. You no, made it that. Work. Yeah, that should have been good. And this is obviously the Pollen Dick edition. I don't care what, what the are. That's the name of
2: the show. The Pollen Phallus edition.
0: I mean, uh, any other week, no. But hey, it's my last week, I'll allow it. Uh.
1: Before we move on, let's do the business. If you're not yet a member of our Facebook group, what are you waiting for? Go to Facebook, search for Slate Parenting, join the conversation. So much good discussion happening over there. If you're not yet a member of Slate Plus, more's the pity. Every week, Slate Plus members get an extra segment on this and many of our other shows. You get no ads in any Slate podcasts, and you help us make these shows. If you're a fan of Mom and Dad are Fighting or of Slate podcasts in general, you should be a member of Slate Plus. It's just $35 for your first year, and you can try it free for two weeks to see if you like it. Go to slate.com slash plus today. And finally, we're coming up to Slate Day. On June 8th, we're having the first ever Slate Day in New York City, a day of live podcasts, energetic conversations, and fun experiences. If you're a fan of this show, you won't want to miss the Mom and Dad are Fighting Playdate with performances from members of Freestyle Love Supreme, interactive trivia and comedy from the podcast Don't Break the Rules. It's going to be a really good time for kids and grown-ups alike. I will be there. So will Carvel. So will Allison. Going to be really cool. But that is not all from Slate Day, not even slightly. There's a Pop Culture Trivia Challenge with Nicole Cliff, Dan Coyce, Ingo Kang, Dana Stevens, and Chris Malanfi. Uh, there's the Political Gab Fest Live with special guest Nicole Hannah-Jones from the New York Times Magazine. The Culture Gab Fest will be performing live. Decoder Ring will be doing a live episode. Mike Pesca will be talking podcasting with Adam Davidson and Manouche Zamorati. There will be a live Trump cast. There will be a live Studio 360 with Asif Mandav. There will be a live Studio 360 with my favorite band of all time, Yola Tango. The Waves and Outward will be getting together for brunch with a performance by Ms. Cracker and an interview with First Lady of the City of New York, Sherlane McRae. It's going to be an amazing day. Uh, Again, it's June 8th, uh, and you can find out all about it by going to slate.com slash live. That's Slate Dan, June 8th, slate.com slash live. Okay, let's get back to it. All right. Uh, time now to take a question. We wanted to talk about this uh, this week. Uh, it's being, It came to us via our email address, which, uh, as you may or may not know, is at Uh It's being read for us by the true star of Mom and Dad are Fighting, Shasha Leona.
2: Dear Mom and Dad are Fighting, I have two kids, five and eight. I'm slightly annoyed that answers to lots of questions, especially from Rebecca and Carvel, are, it doesn't matter. I can see their perspective when I hear some questions from parents with newborn. I feel the same way. But then let me ask you this way. What matters? What are the things that really matter at this age? Thanks. Good question. We're really annoying, huh? We're so yeah. smug. You yeah. are, we you parents are of annoyed. older kids. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's like, yeah. I can see how that would... Not be welcome advice yeah, for a absolutely. listener with a five and an eight-year- old doesn't mean it doesn't matter, though. all mm-hmm. the stuff that you're worrying about, it really doesn't. <laughs>
1: Wait, you, you mean you mean it doesn't mean it does matter?:
2: you, No, it doesn't mean it doesn't matter, just because I think it's understandable that she'd be annoyed by that answer. Um, I don't know, Cart- Wait, but
1: I, th- I, I think you're using a double negative where you don't mean to.: You're saying it does't no, What I'm mean, saying is- too. You're saying, I understand yeah.
2: that why she'd be annoyed, yeah. but her annoyance doesn't mean that that stuff doesn't matter. It just still doesn't matter. Wait.
0: You know what I mean? Right, but you're does arguing that, that it I'm doesn't with Gabe matter. On this. You're, you're, <laughs>
2: it doesn't. I'm saying it doesn't matter. I'm saying it doesn't. I stick by right, but it. Not no, mattering. But the
0: way you're framing you're it, the way your, your grammar right, is saying fine. that it does matter. Fine. <laughs> see, okay. So you fighting, know what matters?
2: We can do grammar. Here's fighting. what matters. Yeah. Dad good and grammar dad, matters. Dad and apparently, man's dad dad
1: mansplaining.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I appreciate it. I always love a good man's plan. <laughs> <This is good. laughs> okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. By all means. Yeah. Take it. Five and eight. Let's see. Positive body image matters. Uh, understanding of yourself as a whole being in the world and a person with agency who learns how to interact with the rest of the world uh, in a way that is uh, kind and not deleterious. That matters. Um being overall like clean and taking care of your teeth matters. <laughs> is this list like resonating at all or am I just like not getting no, the going, mark here? Should I there. be going deeper? No,
1: no. I'm a little worried um, about the teeth thing actually. Is really is that one of the ones yeah, that actually, you would would land on it. That raised the yellow flag for me, but go go for it. It is
2: the the mouth is the portal to your body's entire health guys. <laughs> and the
0: fact that like <laughs> wow I didn't that like that like that, and I was right like here like, like this
2: fa- <laughs> It's like, I'll tell you, it, it actually brings me a tremendous amount of like parental and like human consternation that the mouth has a whole separate medical system than your body because literally it is part of your body. And if there's something wrong with one of your teeth, it like, can ruin the quality of your life in a way that having a broken finger will not. So yeah, teaching Whoa. your kids good dental health habits, okay. I think that matters. I really do. And okay. I'm not saying I'm always successful in that regard, but I think it matters. Mm. Um, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh, a strong... Um, sense of, you know, the difference. And I think we talked about this in the show a lot between Mm. the behavior around feelings and the feelings that, you know, it is Mm -hmm. very important to validate the feelings while, you know, at the same time, you can denounce some of the behaviors. um, The feelings do matter and they are real, even if they seem like bullshit kid feelings as a parent, they are real to the kid and that matters. And uh, I think a lot of what Carvel talked about in his sort of opening Summary of his triumphs around really trying every single day to figure out what's on you and um, Mm. what isn't, (laughs) because so many of the things that we get questions about on this podcast about dynamics at a school, about angst over nanny sharing, about you know the social interactions our kids have with other kids so much of it is really about the parent and not really about the kid and their experience and how they're making their way through the world. So I think that matters a hell of a lot. And I'm going to end my opening list there. I'd love to hear what you guys think matters.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I I really loved this question. And because I, as I have, I've known for a few weeks, probably that I was going to be leaving the slate parenting stuff. And so I've been thinking about what is the main message that i would like to leave with and it was sort of like as i was forming that question we got this email and i was like well that's it right there this person has 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 put words to the main the biggest question which is what does matter because parenting is so much choosing your battles and so how do you choose your battles is the question here I a really good friend of mine and someone who's kind of a parenting mentor who has an adult child once said to me I was complaining to her about Ezra and everything and she said she said you know looking back at my the teenage years of my son who's now 24 or 5 or 6 or whatever he is she said I feel like I um I did she said everything that I thought mattered didn't matter except for one thing which mattered more than I thought it did and I was like, ooh, tell me. And she said, grades, cleaning up the room, putting away the dishes, saying please and thank you, all that stuff. It mattered less than I thought it mattered, but it didn't matter as much as I did. But she said his mental health mattered way more. So she was like, "You, I. my advice to you is to take everything slightly less seriously than you want to, but to take mental health more seriously. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I... 100% am with that but I've I've bookmarked that idea. She told me that about a year ago and I've been turning it over every since, the way you turn over one of those Buddhist coins where you're just kind of like what does this mean is this really true what 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 are the implications of this? I'm not saying that as like an authoritative thing although I did in my column this week actually say it as, as a piece of advice. I don't fully like 100% know that it's there but it raises an interesting question for me which is um you know how what what would my life what would my kid's life be like and my parenting be like if, if that was my 100% priority? And when I look back on all the times I felt like I've made mistakes in parenting and all the times Joe and I have like tried to do some parenting, had it go wrong, have like retreated and huddled and talked to the phone about, wow, oh God, that was really hard and I totally got into it with the one or the other kid this morning and the other parent says, well, I think maybe, you know, if, if I don't want to step on any toes here, but maybe you should do this. The advice that we always end up coming, giving each other and landing on is this thing about priorities in life. You have to put things in order because frequently multiple things will con- will contrast with one another. You want to have a good relationship with your kid, but you want your kid to clean up his damn room and you can't. And your kid is like lied to you about the stuff and has shoved everything under the bed. And now you've had enough of his bullshit. And now you're really ready to bring the hammer down and you don't care how he feels, and because you have to teach this lesson because if you don't teach him how to be responsible for his things he's going to go out into the world he's never going to know how to do it and he's never going to have a relationship he's going to be homeless it's just like that's the parental panic and i what i have found is <clears throat> those are competing tasks there are times when i i want to keep my relationship with the kid going but i also want to force him into like doing this thing or her and and and, and i think that the priorities have to be on support love relationship and communication. And I've said this at the beginning of the show when especially when the kids on the first show I ever guested on Gabe you asked me about this, when your kids are in the single digit years, you're laying the 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 conversational and relationship framework for the adolescent years. Because they're going to have to talk when you're when they're teenagers you can't make them do stuff. And so if your whole parenting strategy is making your kids do stuff, you're going to run out of things to do when they turn teenagers.
1: (laughs) And they're going to fucking do
0: whatever the fuck they want. And they're going to be really pleased (laughs) to do it because they're sick of you bossing them around. (laughs) And what, now how that looks is different in every family. Some kids are going to get like aggressive and really come at you. Some kids are just going to be sort of like, yeah, mom, no mom, sure. And then secretly go off and just do what the fuck ever. And you don't want either of those things. And so what you really want in those early years is to establish safety For them, emotional safety and communication, that they can talk with you about whatever they're thinking and feeling and that you're even if you disagree with it or don't like it or have competing thoughts, that it's not going to damage your love and care for them. And they need to know that and be reminded of that because you just feeling that in your mind. Well, of course, I always love you. Why would you question that? That's not enough for them. Because kids are sensitive and they don't understand how the world works. And they're trying to understand the world of adult stuff with little, tiny, teeny, tiny brains. And so they often get stuff wrong. So you yelling at them in a way that you think is just me laying down the law and making it clear that this is how we do things. And their kid brains, they get a lot of other information from that that you don't intend. So that's all that's a long way of saying that communication is really is, is, is important. It does matter care and love is important and it does matter. Consistency is important and it does matter to whatever extent you can. And I know that there are a lot of personal and, and and financial factors that that interfere with that, but that is that level of consistency is important. Kids need to know that they can rely on a certain kind of love and uh and, and sort of like solidity from their parents. That stuff is important. Um I think that I think that probably the other thing that's really important is time. Just time where you just be with the kid without any agenda whatsoever. And that was really hard for us because every I found there was this long period, maybe a few-year period, where every time I was with the kids... We had an agenda. We gotta get leave the house. Come on, get dressed. Come on, we're running late. So, you now you have to you have to get home, and we have to make we hurry up so I can make dinner, so we can do the dishes, so I can have bath, so we can get to bed. Come on, let's go. We gotta do this. And I, in retrospect, I think I used that attachment to schedule as a way of like as a, as a vehicle for my just generalized discomfort, which was all about me. And I think the kids didn't benefit from that. And so I've learned lately to let go of my agenda in the service of just hanging out with the kids, just having a relationship with them, letting them lead stuff, letting them tell me about things that I'm bored of hearing. That's what I think is <laughs> really important. <laughs> what do you think, Abe?
1: Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's very well said. And 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 I think you hit the main theme that I would strike. And so I won't uh, take up too much more time on this. Um I just, you know, not having kids who who have made it uh, to to high school, I feel like I'm in the in the middle of a lot of the stuff that you guys are looking back on. It's always been helpful to hear uh, things like what you're saying about what gets lost and 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 what it's easy to forget about in the you know day to day. And at the same time, even like hearing that and talking to you about it and thinking about it like once a week has not prevented it from getting lost in the day to day you know what i mean like because yes. the day to day is still there is still a thing and and yes. is still a thing that like is probably bigger and stronger than your good intentions on many days and uh, like that uh, you know i'd like to say that has to be okay i hope it is okay if it's not okay then then too bad because that's reality unfortunately Um, Mm -hmm. The only thing so far, at least the only thing when I, you know, look back on on the first eight and a half years, the only things that I really regret are the moments when my feelings of frustration or exhaustion or whatever negative feelings I was having uh, were able to get in between me and my ability to empathize with the kids. And, mm, and yes. empathy is not the same as like – it's not necessarily the same as being nice. It's definitely not the same as giving them what they want or what they're asking for. Um, But it does mean understanding the thing that they want and understanding their desire for it and understanding their need and, and, and just seeing them and their feelings as a human being who's right there in the room with you and who really, really above all else, above the thing they're asking for, needs you to see them. And Mm. the times when I've been like unable to see my kids properly or have only seen them as an obstacle and not as a human being or have only seen them as something that was making a problem for me, uh, though, there haven't been many, but there have been some. And, and those are the ones that I really regret that like, those are the real fails, you know, those are the ones where like, yeah, it would be better if that hadn't happened. Um, But other than that, Mm. you know, when it's not one of those moments, then just being able to like see them and pay enough attention to them to sort of respond to them as a real person who's right there in the room with you. And whether it's being like playful and having fun with them or being serious and listening to what they have to say to you or being serious and and listening through what they're trying to talk about to what they actually want, which is often just for for you to like be there and, and sit next to them. And listen and chat and and whatever. um it, it, that feels like the stuff that when that's going on, you know, I, I there's all kinds of stupid mistakes that you can make, but none of them seem like that big of a deal as long as you're there and paying attention mm-hmm. and listening, or at least they all seem reparable. They all seem like things that you <clears throat> yes. can make the mistake and get past the mistake and observe the mistake and apologize for the mistake and get to the thing that you should have done in the first place. like that stuff all yes. seems fine. As long as you just are like still in the, in there in the room with this kid, with this human being who it's your privilege to like get to be this huge, huge part of their life for this one short, brief and, and kind of amazing period when they're like turning from a tiny, tiny baby into a full grown adult, um, then then as as long as you can like be there and be attentive to them and, and be aware of that, then then it seems like it's basically fine. That seems like what what matters the most. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think that's also great. And I think, you know, Carvel, you sort of talked about, you know, talking to somebody who's been your parenting mentor. You know, I have one of those two and she's my aunt. And when Henry was born, she came to stay with me for a week, and then she also came to stay with us when Teddy was born, and the thing that I've always really admired about her and her family and her relationship with her kids is the relationship she has with her kids. I mean, they both turned out mm-hmm. great after long journeys, you know, where they, they were not linear, um, but mm-hmm. they're both wonderful, accomplished adults, and they just have such a wonderful, healthy uh, relationship with their parents that has like the boundaries that like seem right, but is also just full of you know, wanting to be together and spending like interstitial time together. And, you know, when I asked her, you know, what did, what did you do? Like, how do I have that with my kids? You know, the piece of advice she gave me is she said, never underestimate the value of having a good time. And if you mm. are finding yourself doing all these mm-hmm. things to be a great parent and it's not fun and there's nothing fun about it and nobody is having any fun, mm. you're focusing on the wrong things. Because, that is so you know, sweet. I... Yeah. I mean, I can generally tell you, like, have has the last week been all good times with my kids and my family? And of course it hasn't. But if I were to describe to you, like, the relationship I have with my kids, is it a good time? Like, fuck yeah, it is. Because it's something that we think about and focus on and really center our lives around. Like... Is this fun? And if it's not, like, why are we doing it? Of course, it doesn't apply to, like, emptying the dishwasher and yelling about the laundry. But it mm-hmm. can apply toward the time that you get, to sp- you get to spend together. And things that you wouldn't imagine are fun, like the things that you plan, overly plan for and save for, like, those are often not the best times. The best times are the times where you just decide to embrace uh, the fun that's happening and roll with it. And I think that's where those relationships are built.
0: Yeah, you know, that that reminds me, I mean, this is uh, a, a two, what you guys said made me think of two more things um, that I actually wrote down, which is, um, one is this thing about trying anew every day. And I think that there's something, one of the things I love about this show is that we talk about fails, parenting fails. And the reason I think they're so important is because there is, you know, every time as a parent we hear someone say, here's what parenting is about, Most of the time, our immediate thought is, oh, my God, am I doing that enough? I'm not doing it enough. I'm going to mess up my kid. What am I doing? I've screwed everything up. I can never forget this right. And I think that, like, we, there is room for mistakes in parenting. And I, I just, like, it's, like, so important that I almost want to say it again. There is room for mistakes in parenting. And there's room for mistakes in parenting partially because kids are good at recovering, which is both heartbreaking but also a key part of the relationship the reason the second reason there's room for mistakes in parenting is that it's possible to recover from mistakes provided you change the behavior and grow from it and that doesn't mean erase the damage from those mistakes because you can never erase is actions from the record. That was a lot of the messaging I had for my kids when we talked about the difference between feelings and behavior. With our feelings, we were like, yes, you can feel terrible and feel angry and feel hurt and feel like you want to hurt someone. That's understandable and I get it. But when you actually do an action, you can't undo it. So the actions are permanent. And that is true with parenting. But the reason that where it's recoverable from is that we get more time and we get to change our behavior and grow from it, provided that that's what we do. But if we continue to make the same mistakes over and over again and then blame our kids for them, then then the damage starts to become so much that we just leave our kids with an unhealthy burden to manage in their adult lives. Which leads me to my second really important thing that matters is dealing as an adult with your own childhood trauma that matters a lot because it is from a place of fear which is our own inner child still trying to manage and control situations that were horrifying to us when we were little, that we develop these personality takes and character defects or whatever. You know, we become overly controlling or overly forgiving or just mean or overly sarcastic or whatever it is as a way of protecting ourselves when we're kids from our own trauma. And then we bring that into our relationship with our kids and then we hand that stuff down to them through our own crappy behavior. And so it is impossible, I think, to really... Be the best parent you can if you still are working under the sort of shadow of unexamined, undealt with, unaddressed childhood stuff. Um, I think that it's almost inevitable that you'll just pass it on to your kids in some form or another. And so I would really strongly advocate for however you can having some way of working through your own stuff. Amen. Yep. All right. All
1: right. Thanks a lot for that question. Uh, thanks to everybody else who has sent in questions over the past couple of years. This, uh, answering your questions has been so fun and interesting. And sometimes uh, we've made fun of you, and sometimes we have uh, taken you very seriously, and sometimes we've misunderstood <laughs> your questions, and sometimes I think we've probably been uh, unhelpful. And uh, sometimes, hopefully, <laughs> we, we've been helpful. But um, th- hearing and thinking about the the. Problems and the quandaries that that you all are facing and and have written to us about uh, has been an education and an honor. So thanks for that. It's time now for recommendations. Rebecca, what are you going to recommend?
2: Well, I don't know if this would fly with every group of kids in the world, but. Um, The senior class at my son's high school, about 40 of them, which is about – and his class is tiny, so that's like 80% of the kids in his class – they have built and are playing this incredible game of assassins right now. That um, no. they have incorporated, like uh, water pistols and hilarious rules about goggles and water wings. Wait, and what
1: is what is assassins?
2: It's basically like a tag game where you you get people out by um, assassinating them. Is what the game is based on. But it's like you know being shot with a water pistol in this case, and then you have like this uh, variety of shields. Like so, for instance, um, because they didn't you know they really want to be cooperative with the school they set it up so you cannot Uh, you can't become as you can't get assassinated either on school grounds or in the school parking lot or at school you can't get assassinated at your job and you can't get assassinated in somebody's house unless you've been invited into that person's house if you are wearing a pair of swim goggles or you are wearing a pair of water wings you have a one free uh, getting shot shield Uh. for the water gun (laughs) situation and so basically what this has resulted in is a bunch of teenagers tromping around my town uh, taking videos (laughs) of themselves wearing water rings and goggles and trying to trick each other so they can get a clear shot. Um, Henry has um, cleaned out our garage so he can park his car in our garage so he doesn't have to walk from the house to the car because he thinks that's his most vulnerable uh, point of the day. And it's just really freaking fun to watch how these kids have built this game. So I'm not like necessarily remembering this, (laughs) remembering this, this specific game, but a game like it for kids this age where they've sort of had to work within the confines of like the rules and their school and like not disrupting people's actual lives and making something fun and goofy and using social media because by the way all of the um assassins uh, targeting people has to be posted on instagram or it doesn't count so they're like they've come up with all these creative (laughs) like frameworks around this game and it is like for me and the other parents, like every time I run into a parent at the store or whatever, like it's all we can talk about is just like, oh, did you hear that Larson got killed in his own house because he invited his assassin <laughs> over to do homework? Um, it's really, really fun. That guy. I know. Own I know. House. <laughs> oh, so, anyway, um, my recommendation is that if there is an opportunity for your older teenage kids to create a large scale game, it is like done a tremendous job building community, like bonding these kids together and the creativity and the sort of like ingenuity of how they're doing it has just been so fun to watch so big real life games run by teenagers don't be afraid of them embrace them as long as you think they've set up rules that aren't going to get them in some kind of awful trouble
1: um it's been really (laughs) fun this week uh in order to, to make my uh, my last recommendation as a as a host of this show, I went back over the recommendations that I have made before. I, I looked at the Slate uh, podcast Endorsomatic, which you can find at slate.com slash endorsements, and I, I searched for me, and so I got to see all of the recommendations and and, and mm-hmm. man, some of them are really good. I've made some fucking great recommendations on this show. <laughs> <laughs> like I just some of uh, them some some of them were uh, not that great. Some of them I was like, Oh, I really need to come up with something for this week so i recommended something that i didn't like a hundred percent wholeheartedly feel behind but then there i like Mm -hmm. i have this whole long list of ones where i'm like that is just really something wonderful and enriching and and i hope more people will I, i hope people have have discovered this wonderful thing and and there was one thing that i decided okay this is the best recommendation i've made in 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 this show and uh, it's a series of novels. It's the Melendi Quartet by Elizabeth Enright. Uh, there, I read mm-hmm. them to Eliza when she was like seven, which is probably about the youngest that you would want to be, not because of any adult material, but just because of the sophistication of the writing. Um, but I could imagine a. a kid reading them up to 12 or 13, uh, or an adult who appreciates beautiful writing about childhood in the middle of the 20th century, uh, wanting to read just for their own literary pleasure. Uh, Just an amazing series of novels. They're still in print, but they're not really widely known. And I feel like if I can do one thing on this show, it would be like, Get lots and lots of people to read The Melendi Quartet by Elizabeth Enright. The first book in the series is called The Saturdays. I recommended it before. I recommended the second one as a way to sneak in it again. I'm going to go out with The Melendi Quartet by Elizabeth Enright. Uh, Get a copy and and read it to your kid and read it for yourself. Just wonderful, wonderful books about childhood. Carvel, what about you? What do you
0: recommend? Oh, man. There's so many... I, I also went back, look over all my recommendations, and um, I am going to recommend something that I actually recommended, Gabe, when I was a f- first a guest on the show, the first time you ever had me on, because it's kind of not only because of the full circle nature of it, but because it really ties into the theme of what we're talking about today, which is ways in which we like, you know, attend to the confidence and mental health of our kids. The first thing I recommended was uh, a, a, an activity we used to do in our house when they were little called Link Roundup. And the idea of Link Roundup was that we would take turns, the three of us, me, Ezra, and Georgia, and we'd probably do three rounds. And each of those three rounds, a person would share with the rest of the family something they had seen on the Internet that they wanted us to see. And there was usually a time limit of 10 minutes. It could be a music video. It could be a meme. It could be a certain website. It could be a YouTube video or something like that. And they share it and the rest of us just appreciate it. We don't complain about it. We don't say I don't want to watch this. We don't say this is stupid. We just show it. And in this way, everyone gets to like have their voice heard in the family in a way that I really like. And like it means I get to show kids like my like weird historical videos that I want them to see that they would never sit down and watch if we weren't already in this existing format of Link Roundup. And then it means that Ezra gets to show me, like, some, like, 20-minute movie. I mean, some 10-minute, some, some like, um, video about all the Easter eggs and, like, Iron Man 3. And I'm just like, I don't hair bro, but this is important to him, and so he was, so he shows us that so we sit and we watch. And it's the Georgia. She went through this phase where she would show us like makeup videos. This is when she was like in third or fourth grade, and we just watched people put on makeup for like <laughs> for like five minutes, and we would just quietly sit and just watch this. And, and Georgia would occasionally be like, "Isn't this cool?" And I'd be like, "You know what? That is amazing that they did that. Like that is painting." How do they do that? You know, and like, and even Ezra would like at least see what his sister was interested in and why she was interested in it. And we would do Link Roundup on a regular basis. We don't do it as much anymore, but it's kind of woven its way into the way that we interact as a family. And sometimes we'll do it now when we all sit down to watch something, um, we'll let different, you know, we'll take turns picking the movie and the other person. It's just sort of implied that you're not going to complain if you don't like the movie. You're not going to get mad and say you're being forced to watch something because you know you're going to get your turn. And in this way, it seems like we like learn to understand where the other person is coming from. So just like I did the first time I was in the show, I'm, I'm going to end by recommending Link Roundup, um, a circular game, a, sh- a show and tell where each person in the family shares a video meme or something from the internet that they would like everyone to see and everyone just sits hmm. and watches it and usually we put a 10-minute limit on it.
1: That's great. And I, I remember you talking about it the first time and, and it has come back to me a little bit because – Um, I remember being a kid, you know, in we're as you've said, we're all the same age. And so when we were kids, you did not get to like decide what you were going to watch at a given time, right? You got (laughs) to like, you had your show and like, okay, it's this time. And so we're watching this show. And that restriction of choice meant that you watched stuff that you just weren't that into a lot of the time. But it also meant that like, I remember my whole family watching TV together quite a lot like all of us watching the same thing. And there was a Mm. lot of programming that had to be like for the whole family because maybe it's, you know, 7 o'clock and everybody wants to be watching Mm. TV. And so we would watch shows that to my parents were probably kind of dumb and to me were probably like not precisely targeted to my age and interests. And yet we all (laughs) watched them together and that was a meaningful thing that happened in my child. For some reason, we got really into Dallas, which was showing in the UK at that time. And my whole family just got super into yeah. Dallas. I would have been eight and my brother would have been like five or six and probably not really old enough to, like Dallas was about like people having affairs and like stealing money from each other. And I bet my brother didn't really get what was going on. And I bet I only marginally got what was going on better than him. But And I bet my parents thought it was kind kind of a dumb show but we all really loved watching dallas and like there is no equivalent of that in my family like leo really likes superhero stuff and eliza likes her fantasy stuff and i like grown-up stuff and my wife likes a different but overlapping set of grown-up stuff and like we do not have that like everybody sitting down together and like sharing the experience of a thing and the idea of like having a, a a form that that causes that to happen that seems like it would be really valuable
2: hmm Yeah. That's a great idea. I love it.
1: All right. Um, That's our show for this week. Slate Plus members, stick around. Uh, We're going to get nostalgic and talk about what we have most liked and most disliked about doing this podcast over the past couple years. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, uh, Rebecca will be back next week uh, with other moms and or dads. If you have a question that you would like them to address, email it to momanddad@slate.com, where it stands a chance of being read out loud by Shasha Leonard. If you're not yet a member of the Facebook group, it's almost too late. It's not too late. The Facebook group will continue forever. (laughs) Facebook, uh, search for Slate Parenting. Um, It's a great conversation, and uh, I am excited to see you there. Our show is produced by Jess Jupiter. Shout out to producer Emeritus Ben Frisch. For Carvel Wallace and Rebecca Lavoie, I'm Gabriel Roth. Mom and Dad are fighting. We'll be back next week. The mouth is the portal to your body's entire health.
2: (laughs) It is. I stand by it.
1: I just typed that at the end of the script because I wanted to remember it, and then I got there, and like, <laughs> there it was in the script, so what could I do? <laughs>